Hey, it's Sarah and Kristen. Welcome back for another episode of the Into the Wee Hours podcast. Before we kick off, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and sea where this podcast is being recorded on, the land of the Gubby Gubby people of the Sunshine Coast. We pay respect to their elders past, present, and those emerging. Just as a quick reminder, we have a Patreon account. Patreon is an amazing platform which allows us to continue to cover the cost for the podcast, such as monthly hosting, web, and equipment upgrades. Every little contribution makes a huge difference to us, and for a gold coin donation each month, we would be so stoked to have you as a patron. It's pretty easy to find and sign up online at patreon.com forward slash into the wee hours podcast. Huge shout out to our existing patrons and just all of our listeners. We are so grateful for you. Support for the show comes in a huge variety of forms and another way that we would love to receive your support, which raises our profile and in turn elevates the voice of our guests is through rating and reviews. If you can take a couple of seconds to go and leave us a review on Apple or Spotify, we would be so grateful. Also, we love seeing our listeners either reach out or tag our guests in their Instagram stories. So if you've particularly loved an episode, please do repost, tag, and let us know why you've loved listening. Thank you to everyone who has either left a rating or review or tagged us on socials. So as Kristen knows, I was super excited to record this episode and to meet our fantastic guest for the first time, albeit virtually. It is no secret that I love trail running, and also I'm conscious we've had heaps of trail running episodes of late, and the Into the Wee Hours podcast is about so much more than that. We're here to elevate the voice of the everyday adventurer in all sorts of adventures. It's also no secret that bikepacking is one of my favorite things, so we were stoked today to talk to Melbourne-based April Drage, DJ name D-Rage, about all things bikepacking, and in particular, her recent adventure as a rider in the iconic Tour Divide Grand Depart. It was so great to speak to April. Her passion for riding bikes is so clear from the start. I mean, she won't pick a favorite bike because she doesn't want to offend any of them, but she is a favorite dog, right? <laughs> we loved hearing her attitude in terms of adventuring versus racing and her multitude of experiences riding over 4,000 kilometers from Banff. Alberta, Canada, all the way south to the New Mexico border at Antelope Wells. It was such a great conversation and we barely scratched the surface. All right, we know you're going to love this conversation with April. Let's get into it. Cue the music with Kristen. Welcome to episode 41 of the Into the We Hours podcast. My name is Sarah Pendergrass and I am joined by my fabulous co-host Kristen Vorton. Hello. Hello. We are also joined virtually by someone who I'm very excited to speak to, April Drage, all the way from Melbourne. How are you doing, April? I'm really well, really well. I've done the dog wrangling. <laughs> I've managed to get through my very stressful job working in bikes. You know, I've survived. I'm here. I'm doing very well. We can all see and hear each other. Hear each other. <laughs> Amazing. Exactly. We've made it through the IT stuff. We've had the dog intros. The important stuff is out of the way. 
<laughs> so with that in mind, without any introduction, we're just going to launch into quickfire questions for you, April. Oh my God, the pressure. I know we've had some discussions about surprises, <laughs> but I think from these, you will gather that April is pretty into bikes. That's all I'm going to say. So the, <laughs> the first question that we have for April is, God, what is... <laughs> it's hello, doggers. Hello, doggers. That's Scott. Hello. <laughs> is, where is your most favorite place to ride your bike? Oh, wow. That is a, actually a really tough question to answer. Um, can I say just pretty much anywhere that starts and finishes at my house? Like I have this real thing, right? Just like doing a big loop and it's door to door. There's no train involved. There's, you know, not, not driving to the start. I just like going door to door. Even if, even if there's a lot of junk miles in there, it's still worth it to me. It's really satisfying. You know, just riding out on an adventure and then riding home. Um, yeah, so that's probably my, my, my favourite place to ride my bike is anywhere that, that leads me back home. Perfect. I love that. I'm with you on that as well, for sure. So good. Would you prefer road or off-road? Oh, off-road. Off-road. <laughs> Nothing too scary, though. Like, I'm no mountain biker, but, yeah, off-road is fun. Yeah, anywhere where there's, uh, I don't know, beautiful birds and trees and all that stuff and not, not the, the, the cars, you know. That's yeah, where I'm at. Definitely. Perfect. All right, so this is a this is a bit of a question of privilege because in the bike world, the number of bikes that we have is often deemed as n plus one. All right, you can just never have too many bikes. However, if you can have only one bike for the rest of time, what would it be? Oh my god, that is so difficult. It's like asking someone to choose between like family members, <laughs> their children. Can I, can I like block their ears or something while I have this conversation? It's really difficult. Goodness me, what a choice. Um, gosh, you know, I have so many beautiful bikes and I've spent so much time, like, you know, with uh, one particular bikepacking bike. But if I only have to choose one bike, it needs to be, I think, the most versatile bike that I have. And it's interesting, that's not my fanciest bike either. It's probably um, it's probably a curved Kevin, you know, that two-wheel sets, it's road, it's off-road, it's bikepacking, it's commuting, it's the Swiss Army knife of all the bikes. Um, and that's just in case my bikes are listening. That's a purely practical versatility type answer. It's not based on how much I love any one of them individually. They're all my favorites. They're all the favorites. All the dogs are the favorites. All the, all the bikes are the favorites. <laughs> oh, no, I'm really clear with the dogs. Isn't that terrible? It's my favorite. Did I say that out loud? Oh my god, are you recording? Lock your ears, puppies. That's funny. I think we're getting a good sense already of how important bikes are in your life, people. Yes. <laughs> There's more equality across bikes than dogs. That's awesome. Terrible. Oh my god, the shame. Um, now I can only assume that you have spent many a night out in the wild doing crazy overnight stuff on your bike where is the spookiest place that you've ever slept during an adventure oh my gosh you know it's, it's funny because uh, if it's spooky I, I mean i'm pretty good at just staying awake for a long time and it's not because i'm trying to be like a badass and like i'm just gonna ride and fall asleep on the bike i'm not doing anything crazy like that i'm just a bad sleeper and i really love riding at night there's moonlight whatever but if something's giving me the heebie-jeebies I do not stop there, you know. Um, There's one night, I think I did, I think I wrote about it in a blog about the um, the route from, between Sydney and Adelaide. It's one of my favourite routes. It's the race to the rock route. 
um, where I had planned, I, you know, it's often the way where the, the, the aspect of the ride that you're most looking forward to is the bit that ends up not being the highlight. So I was really looking forward to camping in Mungo National Park. Um, and when I got there, I was riding in the, through the night and there was a guy out there like driving around in this it's ute. I just saw these swerving lights all night long. You know, if it's big open expanse of space, you can see lights from a really long way away. You can't really judge the distance. Yeah, this guy was out there with, uh, with a rifle shooting kangaroos. And so he got closer and closer and closer over a period of hours. And so it, that was kind of spooky. Like it's just me and it's just this dude with his, with his rifle yeah. and the, this huge trailer full of dead kangaroos. So that's the creepiest place I was going to sleep, <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah that probably covers it. I think uh, we talk a lot on the podcast, like about intuition and just like moving on when it doesn't feel right. And I think if there's yeah. a dude with a rifle shooting moving objects in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, I really just listened to my, 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 my gut on that one. It wasn't obvious at all. You know, I'm just so in tune. <laughs> I love it. That's perfect. <laughs> All right, next one. It's it's probably the deepest question we ask any of our guests, April. It's, I don't know. It's the real deal breaker. <laughs> <laughs> Pineapple on pizza. Hell's yeah or hell's no. This is hell no. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Just like hot, hot yeah. fruit I have a bit of a thing about. Right. Like, no. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Huh. Gross. So You're wrong if you do it. Sensibility on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. That's like high five territory. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, nice. There's, there's no sitting on the fence with this one. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm such a fence sitter in general, you know. This is a divisive a issue. Fruit. Dot is the yeah, favorite, like, I mean, and no pineapple in pizza. Politics up there too. I mean, that's next, right? <laughs> Love it. All right. Yes. Well, we have prompted you a little bit for this one as well. <laughs> so you are in the middle of a massive adventure on your bike. It can be any of. It can be your Swiss Army knife bike. It can be anything that you, any bike that you want it to be. <laughs> a genie shows up, and he grants you three wishes. And the, the wishes. Yes. yes. And he uh, cannot grant. Where well, now? I'm forgetting, Sarah. Uh, you can't bring anybody back from the dead. You can't make anybody fall in love with you. And you can't ask for more wishes. What are your three wishes? Yeah. Look, I've got to admit, because I'm such an over-preparer, I've been listening to some of your podcasts. And really, like, I was riding around the weekend thinking wishes. You know, like, I'm out near Macedon, beautiful scenery. I don't care about the scenery. I'm just thinking about the wishes. <laughs> um, so this is a big deal. Like, my biggest wish, and this is something that, you know, I never even thought about this as being even something you could ask for. But my nephew actually asked this around his birthday one year, and I'm like, my God, kids are geniuses. No surprises is what he asked for for his birthday. And so <laughs> that would be my wish, that there I don't like surprises either. Good job, Reggie. So that's what I'd ask the genie for. Nice. No wishes, no, no surprises. Um, wish number two, and again, this, you know, I like riding my bike a lot. Wouldn't it be amazing if i was actually good at it <laughs> if i had some, some actual bike handling skills sure um, i've tried all sorts of things to correct this but you know i've kind of like it just doesn't come naturally to me and you know i still go out and have a good time i have a lot of fun that doesn't make me good at it so my wish would be that i just was one of these amazing people you see some people that just hop on a bike like my brother 
doesn't ride, pops on a bike, boom, downhill tracks. No worries. That's not me. <laughs> so I, that's what I wish for. Some, some, you know, mountain bicycles probably would be good. Um, wish number three, I feel like you've probably had this before, but I haven't binge listened enough to your podcast. So I'm sorry if this is a repeat. What? Who does it for? <laughs> I know. I know. I just I haven't been on a long enough bike trip. You know, you guys have made a lot of, a lot of podcasts. There's material. some content. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's a bad joke. Um, Hang on, you're yeah. just back from, yeah, what, four and a half thousand kilometres in the US. We're not taking that one. To just get through the content. Um, yeah, God, I wish I'd just, yeah, kept going. Um, yeah, more, more hours in the day. I mean, who doesn't want oh, to do that? Oh, that's a good, I don't I'm sure think we've heard that. Oh, really? We've heard, like, more endurance. I, I, think, I, I, think, I think I'm just trying to pack more in. It would be pointless. It would be just never-ending. Yeah. Know, um, how many is enough? <laughs> totally, totally. Because you could go to 24 to 30 and you're still going to be like, oh, I feel like there needs to be more hours in the day. Yeah. Yeah, if only I had. Yeah. 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 I feel like we would never be satisfied. There's enough going yeah. on in one day. I don't yeah. need more hours yeah. in the prof. But yeah, that's your <laughs> that's wish. Fair. That's fine. That's my wish. That's my dream, damn it. Don't take it away from sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no judgment here. That's right. <laughs> And then the last question that we have been asking everybody um, since I think like episode seven. So we just had Luke on, who is a official three-peat of the podcast. Now, he's not actually a – correct me if I'm wrong, Sarah. He corrected you. He did correct me. Performance yeah. psychologist. He is a performance psychologist. And so we were kind of talking about um, like gratitude and like how it's a lot of external stuff. And I think sometimes we miss it on the internal things. So April? Give yourself a compliment. I think I'm actually pretty good at this. I am a really good problem solver. Like I don't panic and I just get to, I really enjoy nutting things out and finding a solution and moving on. Like I'm good at that. I, like I get excited when there's a mechanical. Yeah. You know? Like, oh, yay. <laughs> problem. Let's solve it. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, I think, a, a handy quality to have. That's amazing. That is awesome and yeah what a perfect quality to have for multi-day adventures and getting excited about mechanicals like i need to adopt a little bit of this because that's not my reaction i can tell you right now <laughs> it's kind of, it's just made, I mean, this is, is going to sound terrible I can't, i'm not a bad person i get more excited for someone else's mechanical <laughs> <laughs> and if it's really interesting it's like even better I you had to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially if it's something you're not prepared for either. It's not like you've got it in your backpack. Oh, you've got to like what, ask. Would, what would that be? I, I carry so many tools. I could have already oh. someone's bike out there. <laughs> There's like a really big reason I don't do very much biking. It all seems really complicated. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is it really isn't. And you know what? I think I've had to use like one plug. <laughs> like ever yeah. but if you didn't have all that stuff you'd need it all at one stage maybe yeah, maybe. yeah. yeah. i just like knowing i have it totally it's fun. totally yeah. <laughs> well you made it through the quick fire questions well Nailed done just wipe the sweat off the brow right. there yeah well you win well yes because of the pine no pineapple on pizza i'm like already to the top <laughs> so usually we dive straight in but april not a lot of people are going to know who you are so we always like to open up the floor. Um, no offense, you. by the way. <laughs> no, no, this no. is great. Meaning like, sorry. I'm <laughs> In the same way that not a lot of people know who we are. <laughs> Let's just give you a good introduction for your origin story. 
who are you? Where are you from? Like as much or as little as you'd like to kind of introduce us to who is April. Okay, well, born and raised in Adelaide. Um, I guess an active, like a busy kid, but not very sporty. Um, Yeah, just pretty average kind of, you know, childhood, like travel, went to uni, studied like psych and criminal justice. did a bit of study uh, overseas, like in Arizona. That was pretty cool. Arizona. And then did my Master of Social Work when I got back. Yeah, Arizona's great. Didn't ride back then. Like, riding's only a fairly recent development. Um, so, yeah, and I met and married Dave. He's the, the soigneur of this operation. Um, and then, yeah, worked as a social worker in government for, like, gosh, I don't know, a really long time, 15-plus kind of years. Lived in the UK for a bit. Yeah, travelled some more. And then, I don't know, 2020, something kind of came over me. And I thought I was going to just go and do some epic ride. I thought it was going to be Tour Divide, which, to be honest, in hindsight, it was a blessing that, that COVID saved me from that because I wouldn't have had a very good time, I don't think, doing it then. I really hadn't been riding very much at all. Um, so yeah, I rode Race to the Rock with some friends in 2020 and just had a blast. And then, yeah, I mean, gosh, I feel like I'm just ra- rambling on here. But, you know, the following year, uh, 2021, I turned 40 and just hit, Sort of burnout in my career. You know, I'm a social worker. It's some pretty heavy stuff, believe it or not, when you're out there doing uh, emergency child protection, which is my bread and butter. Worked in prisons, worked in Nauru, refugees. Like, yeah, that's. I mean, it's funny. I went and saw a psychologist before I decided to pull the ripcord on uh, getting out of social work, and she looked at my CV and she's like, "You've made some really weird choices." <laughs> My jobs weren't—they weren't a barrel of laughs, you know. They're all this series of pretty hard, hard, hard stuff. Um, so yeah, I really just took all of my long service leave and all this stuff. The psychology was funny. She's like, you know, if you're wondering when the time to leave social work is, that time is right now. <laughs> so I pretty much walked out of there, took all my leave, and then I just decided to lean into got anything I could think of that made me kind of feel good, you know, made me feel happy, whatever. And to me, that you know, just on Race to the Rock, I thought, well, I'm just going to go bikepacking a lot and just figure it all out. And that was kind of a turning point, I guess, for me. Um, yeah, so I bikepacked a lot 2021. And then, you know, you just start opening yourself up. You know, you're out there on your own. You're starting to feel better about things. It's working through all of the, you know, the things that you put off, you know, emotionally, whatever, for a long time. And it just, you know, once you, once you open the door to things, um, you know, end of... 2021 maybe it was uh you know i met so i had contact with sarah hammonds i'd ridden you know these race to the rock before and things like that so she reached out to me and asked if i would be interested in i uh, connecting the curve around uh like just being an ambassador really um she, i felt like uh, it was funny you know she contacted me and i'm like are you sure you know like i don't, I don't think you know I, I don't really do a lot um but she was great i felt like she had a good sense of who i am and that in spite of my limitations she i don't know kind of like my energy i think um and that kind of, yeah, it was a bit of a turning point, I think, having that kind of support, having, um, you know, people around me that were doing this stuff uh, to give me a bit of encouragement help, I think. And I really haven't looked back. I mean, I've been out there, yeah, jumping on different events and things and just you know, learning a lot about myself, um, meeting more like-minded people. And, yeah, so pretty much uh, has led me to now, I guess. Uh, 2022, I was working in the federal government for a bit, but then... Dave got offered a job in Melbourne and, you know, Kerr's based in Melbourne. Isn't that amazing? You know, so then uh, I just came and started working for them. And here we are. 
So with all of that in <laughs> mind, no, it is, it's awesome. Like, thank you so much for sharing that. It's quite the journey. And also curious when psychologists are so direct because that's not oh, normally so their task. <laughs> yeah. In my undergrad degree in psychology, I've worked a lot with psychologists. I was so surprised. It was so funny. It was just like this really informal, like, I was like, these are all the things I'm really worried about. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you should be worried about that. You just get the hell out of there. You know, it was really like this funny conversation. I was like, wow. Um, anyway, so <laughs> nice what she you was need right. to hear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah no, no worries. Yeah, so funny. <laughs> And I guess, so bearing in mind, we are not a bikepacking specific podcast. We like to talk about a lot of stuff. There's been a lot of trail running recently. So much trail running, yeah. Can we give a little glossary of three things? So one is race to the rock. The other was curve. And then what was the other thing you said that I was like, oh, people might not know. Let's start with what race to the rock is, first of all. Sure. So race to the rock is a a, a long bikepacking race, I guess. And that curve cycling put together so the people that uh run curve cycling it's uh you know they're, they're known for their their own personal ultra endurance um uh, you know achievements i suppose you know jesse carlson is one of the, the directors when people started curve you know he did really well in tour divide and trans am these are really very long very uh, grueling races and so uh they basically created this uh these races in australia and so the start location moves around every year so sometimes it starts you know one the first edition started in adelaide and you ride to uluru it's pretty cool you know what a way to see the country pretty cool uh, yeah so they've had starts in tasmania and the, the next one will be from brisbane it's pretty cool um so that's like race to the rock um yeah and, and curve i think i've touched on a little bit yeah so they are a manu- they, they make uh, a whole range of bikes road bikes bikepacking bikes but they're all very cool bikes very well considered and made of titanium or steel which is right up my alley correct and i also ride a curve um, bike which i am very grateful for which i'll have mentioned in the podcast previously previously as well so i hadn't actually realized that your bikepacking history was so recent just in the last few years oh yeah but you really got into it when did you get your first bike though and realize that like this was your thing oh you know it's funny uh so Gosh, I'm trying to think of the, sh- the short version of this story. I'm, I'm quite, I can talk for a long time. Um, so the, the short version is Dave and I one day were just sitting having a coffee at a cafe and thought we should get outside more. I was always kind of, you know, active, like I used to do some bit of running, go to the gym, whatever. And wouldn't it be good to go outside more? And there was a bike shop across the street. So we just sort of, this is maybe 10 years ago, maybe not even. Uh, we walked across the street uh, into this bike shop and I got chatting, at, you know, can you believe it? I just got chatting to some random person. This is so out of character uh, to this woman in a store and you know, she owns the store. We got talking about bike riding and she happened to be selling her bike, which was, was exactly the right size to me. He said, hey, you should just go and ride this bike around the block. You know, this is a great bike. And it was a road bike, carbon road bike. I've never ridden a bike like that before. Oh, it's sort of commuted and stuff. And that was just it. You know what I mean? Like. So after that, I'm you know, just doing like road bunches, very recreational kind of riding. And then, you know, a few years later, I bought a, my first adventure bike, which was like this, you know, what it's like when you buy your first of any kind of bike. It was all wrong. <laughs> I had fun and I had it for five years. I went, did some touring with Dave. We, I rode the Mawson Trail like really slowly, like talking pannier bags and road gearing and, you know, it's super heavy. You know, I did a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, that's, I guess, kind of how this all this all started, really. I love it. And since then, you've just done so much, like so many 
bike packing, obviously just like solo missions by the looks of on yourself, be that overnight or a multi-day. You've been involved in races in Australia, obviously race to the rock overseas. You completed the Rhino run recently. And part of the reason that we brought you on today is because you have recently come home from Tour Divide. An incredible achievement. I feel like there's so much to talk in this space about like race versus adventure and all of those things. Yeah, but before yeah. we dive into that, would you like to introduce what Tour Divide is? We did have, I should say, on episode 12, we did talk to Toby Lukens, who'd ridden the route on a bike that he'd made himself out of wood, but he wasn't so part cool. of the Grand Depart. So he did that himself. So do you want to tell us about Tour Divide and the Grand Depart as a concept? Yeah, sure. The, the Tour Divide... Uh, is a 4,300 kilometre long off-road route that goes between Banff in Canada to Antelope Wells, which is at the border of the US and Mexico. It goes through five US states, although Idaho, you're only there for like, you know, blink and you miss it. Uh, so not sure that counts. Um, but I think, uh, you know, Tour de is one of the oldest bikepacking races that there is. Um, it's, a, it's a race that I had read about and heard about long before I rode bikes at all. You know, so in, in my mind, this is like this uh, unattainable, amazing thing that other people do. Um, and that's, I guess, what was really uh, exciting to me about this. Um, people ride this route. So there's, there's the race route, and then there is uh, like a, a route that's really similar that I, I'm going to get the name of this wrong, but I think it's like the American Adventure Cycling Association. Um, so there, there is a route. So they created the original route, but there's a couple of little detours that the race does that the the traditional uh, route made by those folks. You know, there's a couple of slight differences, but the gist of it is the same. Uh, so the Grand Depart um, is basically when is, there is a date and a time, and if you're going to race it, then you set off at, at that moment, and then there are some basic rules. What I love about these things is that the rules are really quite simple, um, that, you know, you can't basically get any advantage that no one else has. So you can't go you know, sleep at your sister's house, for example, or something like that. But you can stay in a motel because everyone can access the motel, you know, things like that. Um, and you have to be self-supported and you have to just follow the route. Ta-da. And essentially, so good. the minute you leave, the clock starts, right? And I, again, That's we'll right. come back to time and everything, but it doesn't matter how you choose to ride it, where you choose to sleep, how often you, how often you stop. It's like That's the right. clock starts. And that's it until you get to the finish line. Yeah, yeah, it's so, so good. And there's, and there's no cutoff time either. I was going to ask do, if there was a cutoff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no cutoff. Well, having said that, there is like, uh, as I understand, on the, there's like a, I don't know if people like know what dot watching is, but, you know, there's a, this live map with little dots where you can, it's like watching paint dry. All these little dots representing all the riders. And it's such around, a big thing you know. in bikepacking. It's, it's not like watching paint dry. <laughs> I love it. Don't get me wrong, but you know it's kind of fun because often I know the people in the event and like I'm pouring over and I, I might Google the terrain so I can see what's happening. So I get really into it, but not for everyone. Otherwise, it just looks like this yeah, funny little map. But on the the Tour Divide map, there's other little dots. So there's like this is the record dot. So people going, you know, and there's like a sweeper. So if you're going slower than like the race pace, which I think. Correct me if I'm wrong here. It's something like uh, twice the record or something for men and two and a half times the record or something like that for women. So there is this like, uh, I don't know, I feel like it's like the Grim Reaper of, of race, <laughs> of the race sort of crawling along behind, catching people, you know, if they're too <laughs> slow. And it's horrible. I've not seen that in other, um, you know, map pages. It's a bit friendlier than that in Australia. You know, we have this friendly little map progress and little little smiley images of photos of people on their bikes. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, I don't know. It's just, yeah. So that was a bit of a new thing for me, seeing that. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's the gist of the Tour Divide and the Grand Depart. Um, yeah. And there's no entry fee, is there, to take part in this? No entry fee to take part in this. I mean, there's a, there's, the only fee that you're paying is, like, you know, to use the mapping page, something, to, some nominal amount for, like, the administration of it. That's about it. Um, which is so great, really. But, you know, the idea is it's not supported in any way. This is just a, here's a date, here's a time, off you go, kind of deal. And how many people... I love that about this. Yeah, how many people were there when you did it? It was crazy. Like, I, I've not been in anything like an event that is this big. I think, now, again, I was in it, so I wasn't really paying that much attention to all of the nitty-gritty of it. I think there was maybe 180 people or something crazy. Oh. So, yeah. They had to kind of put a, an estimated finish time so they would, like, set people off in waves. Oh. So it's not like 180 people trying to leave at once. So people are leaving, like, every 15 minutes in, like, batches of 20, um, which is pretty crazy. And this year, of note, there was something like that, the highest number of female uh, entries ever, um, which I know was really exciting, but also I was like, there's only, there wasn't very many women still. You know, it's the highest number, but still on percentage, it was like 11% of participants yeah, wow. were, like, yeah, crazy. And, anyway, and and that's such a good point, April, because it was so, like me being a dot watcher. It was so cool seeing the women there, but like you say, it was still a fraction of the yeah. overall field. It is wild to think of that. Yeah. And then, well, I think the, the percentage of, the, of those of the percentage of women in the top thirty, though, quite high. We're so high, and I guess for context, so that if you haven't followed this before or you don't you're not familiar with bikepacking so like you say it's just over 4,000 kilometers the route the fastest finisher was Ulrich or Uber in just over 14 days I think fastest um female was Lael Wilcox in almost it's like almost 17 days 16 days and 20 hours or something and you April I know time isn't the thing but just again to understand like you rode this huge distance in just over 18 days, is that correct? I think just under 19. Just probably... under... <laughs> <laughs> but the perfect amount of days and nights for me to have a good time is, you know. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, and that whole time, it's like big days on the bike. You're right there, just choosing where you sleep, choosing when you sleep. Yeah. A whole well, big Choosing adventure. if you sleep. Choosing yeah. if you do sleep, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I do want to say, like, if you hadn't followed April while she was out there, your attitude, April, I was just like, I can't wait for April's updates because it's like, <laughs> hey, it's April's holiday. And <laughs> just like checking in. Well, like, what was your like biggest time on the bike or distance? I don't know how you want to, but like in between sleeps, it was huge. Gosh, I, I really don't know. Because I, and I know, you, I, I think I've sort of, you know, you got the, the juice to this, but I just ride to how I'm feeling. You know what I mean? If I'm having a good time, if the night is beautiful, and this is the trip because I knew it was a long one, I was trying to kind of pace myself and just crank it back and not to cook myself. I love riding all night long. It's like a treat. It's like when you say, the hell with routine, you know, I'm going to keep going. I love that. It's so much fun. But I don't know. I mean, definitely, like, I definitely rode through some nights. So I really have, wouldn't have a clue in terms of time, but definitely rode for like more than 30, 24 hours, probably 30 hours or something like that. Wow. Maybe, maybe 300 Ks or something, like would be a solid block. Like, Which is just, just so... Just whatever you want out there. It's that's like, so impressive. <laughs> like, because then you're backing it up as well. Smashing it. Like, yeah, you know, I'm crawling still. around. Like, you know, 
you've got to deal with like your nutrition, hydration, and then and then on top of it, you probably already haven't slept. You're already going to be a little bit fatigued. And then, did you have any like hallucinations or anything? Oh no, I never. Go, I do not go to that point yeah. at all. No, no, no. I'm tired. I sleep. Like, <laughs> That's cool. I'm just so. not a very good sleeper in general. And you, you know, I think one of the things I didn't realize when I started doing these long rides is that you're full of endorphins and you're full of like stress hormones. So your your needs are really different than they are in day-to-day life. Like, you know, but what's beautiful about this, though, is that at the end, you sleep better than you do in day-to-day life. I had some good days of sleeping after I finished this. That was amazing. So essentially insomnia is a superpower for bike pack yeah, racing and then you get is. some great sleep afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Sure. You're like, wow, this is amazing. Other people sleep like this all the time. Yeah. <laughs> And then talking of sleep, I know you said that you essentially like ride to feel you didn't push so much, like maybe in a shorter distance race or whatever, you might push more than this, but you were conscious that it's a long way and you don't want to burn out. And I did listen to a podcast recently with Chris Burkhardt who talked about like just pushing it too much, not getting quality sleep, just sleeping in a car park and worrying about bears and people and everything else and realizing that that wasn't the way to do it. But, like, what was your sleep setup on this adventure? You mean in terms of the, the practic- practical things that I took? Like, that like did you have a, a tunnel tent and a big duvet? And like... <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> so I think one of the things I've kind of learned about, you know, you do a few of these things and you learn there's a difference between what you think you'll do and what you actually do in reality. And so I know that what I actually do in reality is I will take the laziest possible option if it's available to me. And so I have this this really uh, comfortable X-bed mat. I don't know if you've seen these like folding mats that hikers use. And I've cut this down so it's just April size and it fits between my handlebars. And so sometimes it would be as simple as, oh, there's a post office because the post offices are not locked. They're open 24 hours in America. And so we're, we're like the, um, the PO boxes are, you know, it's warm in there. So why wouldn't I want to sleep in a warm place? So sometimes I'll just park up in there and roll out my little X-bed mat and lay on the ground. Like, I don't need anything. It's warm. I'm comfortable. I have a sleep. Um, but if I was sleeping outside, which obviously I did quite a lot, I've got the dry bag um, also on my handlebars and I've got like a burrito, which is like my um, waterproof bivy, which got a bug net. But it's quite light. It's a Mount Laurel Designs um I think it's the event soul bivy that I've got um, and a Cedar Summit Flame 2, which is a warmer sleeping bag that I would usually take, very luxurious um, sleeping bag. And I also took this, this is, again, a real treat, some, like, synthetic booties to keep my feet warm. Oh, so fancy. Cold feet. It's so fancy. And I had this little ultralight Cedar Summit pillow too. So quite a good setup. So I just put it, if it's really cold and it was at certain points, I just put on all of my clothes pretty much and hop on in there, put my my fancy booties on. And, yeah, I was sleeping pretty well in that. And the, the bivy I have doesn't have a hoop, so which is fine. It doesn't really worry me. It's, it has uh, like a wire thing you can use, but I just take that out because it makes it annoying to roll up. But it has got this hook. So I can hook that on my spokes, you know, to sort of hold it away from my face. So anyway, that's yeah. the, the gist of my sleep setup. It takes me like, I don't know, a few minutes to set this up, um, which is great. 
and it's really easy just to roll up and put back on as well. Because um, I think, you know, it, it, once you go bikepacking pythons, you realise that you have to set up your pack to allow have extra space because nothing ever goes back in as easily as it, you know, in subsequent days. You That's get lazier right. and lazier and your packing gets worse and worse. So you, you have space is the most important thing to take with you. That's why I run aero bars April because by the last day yeah. I'm just shoving everything on my aero yeah. bars oh, with a bully strap. Yeah, yeah. Aero bars become the dinner table, the clothesline. <laughs> you know, I've got like underwear here and I've got, you know, just like half half eaten scraps on the rest. It's it's revolting. Oh, you don't even care, you know. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And I think we, you know, we have been talking a lot to trail runners recently and we talk about how ridiculous ultra stuff is, but I feel like there's just something extra with bikepacking because of the weird places you sleep. So you're hearing April talk about, obviously the post office is just a fantastic opportunity for a cozy <laughs> night's sleep. It's, it, it's, it's more luxurious than a pit toilet. And sometimes it's got a PowerPoint for charging stuff too. So and the pit toilet became pretty famous on this year's Tour Divide. So <laughs> I, I don't know if you like. Did, I don't know if you knew about this while you were riding, April. And obviously, you know now. But there were for those who don't know, um, there was a section at the time when three of the leaders, the I think yeah, three men were going through the basin, and it was like peanut butter mud, and they weren't making any progress, and it was pouring with rain, and they came across a random portaloo on a trailer, and in short, three men slept for 11 hours together in a portaloo, sitting up beside each other, occasionally taking turns where two of them would sit down, one on the toilet, one standing up, and just basically sat it out until the peanut butter mud just wasn't quite as squishy and hard to pass through. That is bikepacking. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is bikepacking. <laughs> Did oh, you so come funny. across the toilet, April? Did you have... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I, was, I, I don't know if I was aware of it at the time I passed the toilet, but it was funny because I, I think... Uh, it gets right, because apart through the basin, so the basin is sort of this notorious section of the divide, um, which is funny because I started riding through the basin, and it's actually really beautiful. This is often the way, you know, you hear these stories of these infamous sections, and so often it's actually just a really beautiful place but you know um it's beautiful until it's not it's what i realized and then you get hit you know, with some shocking weather and all sorts so that that happened to me too out there but out of the basin there's this uh, truck stop at this town called wham Sutter, and it's a pretty rough kind of location like it doesn't it, it doesn't have a good energy about it you know so i wasn't keen to stay there but i was <laughs> it was funny i was at this uh, gas station resupplying just trying to gather myself after having been hammered by the wind and the rain and all sorts for hours and alexandra uh who for people that don't know she's a very experienced tour divide writer i think she's written it like five times or something but she came in and i think it i think it might have been at that point where i was talking to her where it came up about this business with the pitch on it and she was so confused she's like there are other options for shelter on that section of the basin, like why were they all in the pit toilet? You know, why weren't they at such and such? You know, uh, so I thought that was funny. But you know, like it was this dramatic story. Like, this is the only place they could have been, and she's like, "Like, what the hell were they thinking?" <laughs> Pretty funny. <laughs> That's awesome. And yeah. I guess you mentioned there, Alexandra. So Alexandra is, I mean, first of all, she rides single speed, so just pushing one gear the whole way, and. She came, I guess, into the scene for knowing as being a little bit unconventional in terms of riding in like hiking boots and just like basically doing her own thing, which I respect so totally. much. 
Um, and then seeing you, April, like sharing miles with her and sharing miles with the other women. Do you want to talk a little bit like about what that felt like? These people that you hadn't met in person before, I'm assuming, I may be wrong. And then sharing yeah, no, those miles. Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, it's a funny thing, you know, uh, and I guess, uh, again, you know, I could tell a really long story. I'm trying to just abridge that in my mind. So <laughs> I'm not the one who historically makes friends easily. You know, I'm pretty much a bit of a solo cat, as you might have gathered, you know, I go do stuff on my own. Uh, it's amazing when you're doing really niche activities like this that you have such, so much enthusiasm for at the rate at which, you know, there's a very high success rate when you meet people that also love this very niche activity you have a lot in common uh, and so it was really lovely and I felt immediately comfortable with, with uh, Alexandra and Gail, uh, Gail Brown in particular. Um, yeah, I think that was such a highlight for me and I, um, you know, there's another, there's a location on the route called Brush Mountain Lodge, which, uh, you know, um, I suppose it really hit home for me how special this edition of Tour Divide was when I was up there. I mean, uh, so it's, for people that don't, don't know um, the route or haven't heard of the reputation of this place, it's I think it's about halfway or just over halfway through the route. Um, it's a a lodge where um, I don't know you you roll up and the person who runs it um, just basically takes incredible care of you. Like you don't you know your your needs are anticipated. You know, I rolled in there. There's there's food waiting. They give you clothes to put on. You take a shower while you're sleeping. Your clothes are like washed and dried and like returned to you. Um, you know, so. As I was there, you know, after I had my sleep, I had a shower, um, you know, I was talking with the people there. Um, we're sitting around and there's this, there's this guy, Eddie, who's a photographer for bikepacking.com, and he and um, yeah, some of the others were saying, this is just so unusual. There was like one man there and all the rest of the people hanging out at Brushmont Brush Lodge were women. And this just never happens. And so he was like, we've just got to capture this. This is amazing. So he took some photos of us all together um, yeah, it was lovely just having that experience. What are the odds of that? You know, this being a race I've had my eye on for so long that this moment in history, the most women have entered and I, you know, made these connections with them. I don't know, I've still got goosebumps thinking about it. You know, it was just, like, it was really special. We were highlighting the trip for me. Um, I feeling so like loved and cared for in this amazing location and sharing that with these other women was just so cool, you know? Um, yeah, I felt immediately comfortable with, yeah, with, with those women too. It was, I don't know, it was pretty special. Very cool. Yeah, Brush Mountain Lodge is certainly just one of those iconic places that like I've seen pictures of and one day like it's a dream of mine to ride the divide just like think wow seeing April there this is so cool. I've never even met April in person but I feel connected already. <laughs> it was so cool. You know, I was thinking when I was there because we had quite good weather. I mean it was windy but it was sunny and I was reflecting on you know, there's another edition of Tour Divide where people kind of got snowed in at Brush Mountain Lodge yep. and I was thinking maybe that wouldn't have been the worst thing if I got stuck here for a couple of days. I think I can hang out here for a really long time. These people are so nice. You know, this is amazing. Um, people yeah. doing your laundry for a few days and nobody even my know. Laundry. People that are just so friendly and welcoming and warm. This is amazing. Yeah, it was so special. And I had so many moments like that in Tour Divide, you know, because most of the events I've done before, I thought the first edition of that event, you know, there's not many events like this that have a real um, reputation where you you know, like hiking up, there's another iconic section, Coco, the infamous hiker bike section, uh, quite early in the piece. Even when I'm hiking up there, I'm, I'm you know, pitch myself, I'm here. You know, this is something that I've, you know, uh, heard about, seen other people, and now this is me here doing it. Like, there's something really cool about that. 
Yeah, your your gratitude for being there certainly came across and just your excitement <laughs> for all of that as well. It was really cool to see. You um you wrote, I think in a post maybe on Instagram, you wrote afterwards how you rode in the sweet spot between efficiency and enjoyment, which I loved. And I feel like I like let's talk about time and racing and that sort of stuff. Because the reality is April you rode very fast like I think you finished seventh female and that was just an incredible field that you were in but I know you very strongly feel like <laughs> I'm not racing <laughs> oh, it's, it's so funny because I think you know because I often get sort of and this is just sounds so obnoxious when it comes out of my mouth and I'm just like but genuinely even when I go out riding just by myself so if I even go I've got a route I'm going to ride it this weekend I'll probably maybe not sleep at all you know I'll just go and ride and I just I'm doing that because it, I find it really fun and really liberating to do that. But when I'm doing it in this context, I end up in the mix with these people that are kind of competitive. And so I think there is this assumption that I'm just out there smashing it or something. But I'm actually, I don't know what my average speeds are. I've got no idea. But I'm not, I'm not like busting a gun. I hate that feeling of rushing. There are a couple of moments where I cross paths with people right, or, uh, you know, and I saw where it resupplied together. And I'm just like, I just want to let them just keep going because I don't want to feel like I have to be, it's a horrible feeling when I'm feeling like, uh, I don't know, it's like someone's on your tail, like this pressure to move. I'm not like, uh, I'd rather they just moved on and <laughs> back on my own again, you know. Um, I had fun riding with Gail and, and Alexandra, but yeah, I think it's, uh, it adds a pressure if I start paying attention to other people's commentary of what I'm doing. And that, I really got you know, in my head about some of that stuff in, in somewhere in Colorado um, where I was feeling a little bit, I think someone had told me, I think probably Dave, he was on WhatsApp or whatever, that uh, I had been coming up as mentioned in some of the commentary about this race. You had, yes. Uh, you know, and I was just, I just needed to ignore all of that. And I hadn't, the first section of the event, I hadn't really been looking at the tracking at all, just ignoring all of it. And I was having a great time. As soon as I start paying attention to it and feel like there's a should involved, or, uh, I don't know, I can just get in my own head about it and then I, it, it becomes not fun. Um, yeah, which seems silly. I've, and I realise I've entered a race. <laughs> so it's on me. The joke is very clearly on me. I've entered a race and then I'm justifying why I'm not racing. Like, what the heck, you know? Um, <laughs> you know, for me, I wanted to enter this at the grand depart for, for a range of reasons, you know? Like, it's uh, this event I'd had, I, that was something that was unattainable for me for so long so it felt really special to enter it at this moment as opposed to just riding the route on my own at some other time um you know an event sometimes give you a deadline you know this is the day that leaves so it makes you go uh and also you know as much as i'm like you know i'm not racing i hate events i'm never doing grand depart again that's what was happening in colorado um, i'm really glad i did this at the grand depart i met some amazing people and i had a great time but uh, it's just try to, you know, if you when you're out there on your own for a long time, and you know, I was on my own in, in this event for most of the time. But also, you know, you go over a week early, so you don't get jet lag. You're on your own. You know, like it's it's quite a while since you had some fresh perspective. So I was really lucky that I have a a friend on WhatsApp who has done a bunch of these ultras, and she was just like, and you know, my husband, you know, just like ignore all of it, just do your thing you know, uh, and have fun. And so it didn't take long before I got my head together about it. But, yeah, the racing thing is just not my damn at all, um, which I know just sounds really obnoxious. Uh, but I don't sleep much naturally. I ride like this for fun um, anyway. 
but yeah, I and I and I just finished when I finished, but it just happened to be that that was kind of quick. <laughs> I I Sorry, it's a terrible answer. <laughs> it's not a terrible answer. I think it's just so curious. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Yeah. I no, I'm a, I'm a mystery wrapped in a riddle. I'm sorry. <laughs> You see what the psychologist was just like, you know what? <laughs> I'm just going to tell you what to do and get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> did the community make a, like, did that help with, like, part of the experience for you? So you could have written the divide completely on your own. Like, again, really, you could go whenever you want to. <laughs> did you choose to go because, yeah, you go you want to, yeah. because of the organization behind it? Like, did you like having the community there behind you? Like being able to ride with all these other people as well? So I guess it kind of leads into the question of like solo versus group adventures as well. Like, what do you prefer and how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, it, de- it depends, I guess. Um, I'm glad I rode this at the Grand Depart because I think, like I said, you know, this is – it really meant something to me to go and do this unattainable thing, this thing that I really thought I could never do. You know, even even five years ago, I would have said, you're crazy, you're absolutely crazy. I mean, I don't think I really thought I could actually ride even the, the, the Mawson Trail at home, you know, that long ago. And that was only eight, that's only 800 kilometres long. Like, this is a, a, a huge step up over the last couple of years. Um, so it, it meant something to me to ride this at the greater part, to be doing the thing I thought I could never do. Like, that was cool. And I'm glad I wrote it at, the t- at this time because it, it, it felt really special out there. Um, you know, there's a lot of support for this event um, when it's on. You know, there are dot watchers out there and, you know, there's a real community vibe to it that I love. I love going to these random little towns and they're really excited that there's riders coming through and that uh, energy and atmosphere was really cool. And to be honest, even, even if I, you know, the only thing I got out of it was meeting these amazing other women that I spent this time riding with, totally worth going for the grand depart you know um so yeah no, no regrets about that at all like but i do get super anxious about the, the idea of a grand depart that's the thing i'm most nervous about and this you know people that are racing which this is no i have so much admiration for these people that are really pushing themselves there's some, some of them i don't know how they do it you know, they're suffering pretty hard you know what i mean like they're really on the sleep diet they are just I'm not motivated in that way to chase other people, but I watch them do it and I'm in, I'm in awe, you know, they are smashing it. It's super cool. Um, you know, I just, I just personally, uh, you know, can't ride like that. Um, you know, I ride if I'm tired, I sleep and I just want to have a good time and feel good. Um, so, you know, I enjoy doing my own thing, but I'm always, the grand depart makes me nervous. I'm always happy when I'm three days in because by three days in on a long ride, people are thinned out. You know, so you might be riding with maybe one other person for a short period of time. Like, it's much more chill. Having said that, though, you know, I'm just like, I dreaded the grand apart, to be honest. I was so nervous about it. All this chat with people, how long is it going to take you? How much are you going to sleep? Like, there's all of that sort of talk before a race because people are in that zone. And I'm just like, I don't know. I'm going to have a good time. And that sounds ridiculous, but that's honestly like where I'm at. Um, but that I did have a great time riding with some with a bunch of other people. You know, everyone's pretty excited. I was riding with some of the more touring kind of folks, I guess, in that first 24 hours and 48 hours. Yeah, you know, there's a guy from Sydney that I met who's also riding a curve, so I immediately recognised him to be like a cousin. You know, like <laughs> you're my friend immediately. You've got a great bike. Um, we had fun. Skuckle wears uh, in the mud. Uh, you know, heading into Fernie. 
Um, there are some other people that I met that I had, you know, a great fun time riding with. But, you know, on a big long trip like this, uh, you know, my first long trip was done with two friends. I, I realised that doing a really long ride like that, it just, I mean, I had a good time with them, don't get me wrong, but it's not something I would ever sign up to do again with someone else because I know more about my own style of doing these things now. The odds of finding someone who is... Um, I don't know, like where you actually want to sleep at the same time or, you know, sometimes you just feel great and you want to keep going. Like, it's just tricky. Having said that, though, I really love going on other trips with friends or I love riding with kids. Like, you know, I was taking my nieces and nephews out and other friends with their kids, um, you know, kid camping, bikepacking, like so much fun. Um, you know, I, I um, was going to go and do like a, an, in, an individual, like go and, the Mawson Trail, like just apply my usual riding style to the Mawson. I haven't done that. I've ridden it a bunch of times, but never kind of quickly, except you know, except in that race to the Rocky, the first one. Um, so I went out. I was going to do that, but then I said, just said randomly to a couple of friends, one of them hadn't bike packed before, really. Um, you know, do you want to go and and just ride the Mawson? And I was so surprised when they're like, yeah, we can get time off. And so I went out and had a great adventure with those, you know, a couple of friends that were really challenging themselves. Like it was so funny. Um, you know, uh, for people that haven't um, gone out and, and really challenged themselves bikepacking, it takes a while to kind of find your feet with it. And I remember my first few trips when you're biting off kind of more than you think you can chew in terms of distance and verts. It's like you're kind of bike drunk, like everything's hilarious. This is like so hard and you're absolutely exhausted, but everything is so funny. You know, so those two were just a riot on this trip. We had so much fun. We had a, like a public tracking page going called Old Women in the Bush. And so it was, it was so funny, um, you know, so we had like a lot of uh, support from friends in Adelaide, like cheering us on, like it was hilarious. Um, yeah, so watching them kind of learn to bike, like, you know, uh, one of them borrowed a bivy, they'd never slept in a bivy before. Yeah. Um, one had this crazy tent, which we called like, her name's Alice, the Alice Palace. And, you know, so she's drinking like, like uh, you know, bubbly water and my other friend's like laying in a ditch with a bivy, you know, so, so, so funny. So. I love trips like that with other people. Um, and one of the things I'm really enjoying, um, uh, part of my job at Curve now is, you know, I'm jumping on all these events. So they do flat packing events and things. Just, you know, it gets people out that maybe otherwise wouldn't. Like, I love that stuff. Like, I get such a kick out of it. Um, but that's really different from doing something that's like thousands of kilometres long <laughs> with someone else, you know? Um, yeah. I love that. And so flash packing, it was certainly my interpretation of it, is it's like bike packing, but credit card, like you stay in a, um, yeah, hotel yeah, yeah. or accommodation. You're not camping. Yeah, is that fair to say? You're not camping, and, and this makes it a bit more accessible for people that maybe you know sometimes having the right gear or or any gear is a limiter. Okay, so don't have the Alice like, Palace or the Bibby. You don't have the Alice Palace <laughs> or the borrowed Bibby or I don't know whatever the foil uh, the foil blanket. You know, if you're really oh, yeah. crazy. The real burrito. Yeah. The real burrito. Um, yeah. So I guess yeah, I, I like doing both, but yeah, for different things. I guess like with that in mind, like talking about obviously that's such a fun story of taking, you know, two women out who are new to bikepacking. Um, in terms of training for these things, like what does that look like for you, April? Like do you have a coach and a rigorous training plan or what do you do? <laughs> I think my, my coach is a, is a bag of corn chips. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so I just, ride, I just ride my bike. I mean, anyone that sort of sees me riding around just generally, um, you know, I'm always carrying stuff. Like my bike is never nude. I mean, I rode to work the other day. I think that my I had some pumpkins from my garden that weighed like I don't know, maybe four kilos in my bag. Like, 
I'm always just carrying heavy stuff on my bike. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm joking, right? But in, in all honesty, like, I ride to have confidence that I can do these things. If I know the rail tilly that I'm going to go and do, I will go and ride hilly places carrying lots of stuff, you know, um, to make sure. And I love testing gear. Like, anything that's like a, I don't know, it just makes it a bit extra fun. So, you know, oh, it's hailing outside. Great, let's go. Let's test the rain gear, you know, or, or gee, it looks like it's going to be super cold over here. I'm going to go and test this different way of packing and different way of, uh, you know, organising my sleep stuff. So I, I make sure that I have a lot of confidence in my gear and I know that I can ride super hilly days. And because I over-prepare, like, sorry, this dog is in the, in the camera here, um, <laughs> dog. Um, and I, I, one of the things I started doing maybe 12 months ago, um, I did the, the race to the rock route from Sydney to Adelaide and I really felt um, like there's so much hiker bike in that in the first thousand k's and like to the point where I'm like making involuntary noises like oh oh trying to hide my bike like all these things my bike was so heavy like probably 25 kilos I'm not a super big person and so by the time I finished I I had the same posture as like Monty Burns from The Simpsons you know like I was all like like I was bent in the shape of the opera house pretty much and it started in sydney like so i decided at that point i needed to do some sort of strength training because i you know struggling to lift your bike it's really physically fatiguing you know um so i guess a shameless plug for my friend that friend alice so she's got this business called mountain bike bond and she makes the programs for for riders to just like strength training so she just you know made me a plan of this is the activities i need to do at the at the gym or at home and so i've I'm very consistent, like a two, I, I, I've sacrificed some riding time to do a couple of these strength training. I just do, you know, one arm day, one leg day, there's core in both, both of these sessions. Um, I do that twice a week. And, you know, when you're, when you're uh, an old woman, it's important to lift heavy things too. So <laughs> it's helpful, you know. So that, to be honest, whilst uh, I was cursing her name for the first month, I felt like I'd been just hit with a bag of hammers. Like I was so, um, you know, like... Uh, it, was, it was hard because I was so not not strong. It's made a huge difference to how I feel on the bike, um, and I notice my recovery is better. And I don't have as many issues. Like you know, my back's not sore. I, I, any opportunity to lift my bike over things during like training rides, even if there's a gate, I lift my bike over. Like you know, it's just yeah. So I, I do prepare, but I don't do any of this stuff to make myself faster that people do. I hear people talking about harrowing things like. SNEs or like threshold this or there's no data being collected over here. There's just me eating tons of food and running around carrying stuff. Perfect. I love that. So good. <laughs> All right. So I am conscious of your time, April. Is there any particular story that you'd like to share about Tour Divide that we haven't touched on? Gosh. Yeah, look, I don't know. I mean, I think. Um, do you I'm want to tell us about you know, the so different? I'm interrupting you, but do you want to tell us about the finish? Because I feel like one of the most curious things about like bikepacking and tour divide is where you finish. There's no as Kristen and I talk about the balloon arch at the end of the, the race, you know? <laughs> tell us about what it looks like at Tour Divide. And did you see tarantulas? Because I feel like that's something oh, that so many about. tarantulas. So many tarantulas. Like and these weird rats and rabbits, like the last sixty-five miles is on the bitumen. It's funny, though, because you ride in New Mexico. It was probably my favourite state. It's really quite rugged and hilly, and it's just in so many ways, um, I don't know, kind of more similar to Australia. Like, it's hot. 
so, but you eventually get to this town of Silver City, and that's like if you made it to Silver City, like you're home free pretty much. Um, and this was in late afternoon. I got there, uh, and I, it was going to be really hot the next day. So I thought I'm just going to keep riding. I don't know how I don't know how long I've been awake, probably for a long time. But I felt alright. So you just sort of set off, and then you're riding through the desert and the sunset, and it's magical. And you know, you're trying to just enjoy the last bit. You know, like, I'm not in a rush to finish, but I'm. I don't know, you get kind of sentimental, like, you know, graduation goggles are on, everything's amazing, um, you know, and then you, you eventually you know, out of the desert, and I was in a, like a bit of a, I don't know what to call it, a sandstorm, that sounds dramatic, but I couldn't see where I was going, there's all this sand getting ripped up, it's crazy, and then eventually you just hit the bitumen, so it's 65 miles of not very exciting bitumen with all these like tarantulas and weird, weird like mice, or I don't know what they were, look like Australian bush rats running in and or, or towards your wheel in a way and there's like rabbits and stuff and you know that at some point you're going to like lose phone service um and then you have to figure out how to get to where you're going from antelope wells which is just literally you're hitting the fence uh to mexico the border fence cool. <laughs> yeah. the border fence so um yeah so i texted this guy uh who has a bike ranch in this town which is kind of near the finish to say, look, I'm going to come and stay at your ranch. I, you're going to be able to come and get me. Like, what's the deal? But I hadn't heard anything back from this guy. Um, so I really didn't know what was going to happen. Um, but, you know, I'd kind of planned for that. But it was funny. I was on, uh, there's this uh, group of women that ride uh, with the, you know, the veteran curve um, on WhatsApp. And they were kind of, you know, cheering me on towards the finish. Uh, you know, I was having a good time. Uh, about five k's from the finish, <laughs> I lost all this air in my rear tyre. I had, And they thought I was joking. I was like... I think I'm just like lost in this air. I think I've got a puncture, but I'm just like going to keep going. And then my phone service went. So I, my husband and his friends were like, is she finished? Has she got a puncture? Like, is she stuck out there? And the tracker takes a while to update it. I think I had a pinging every half an hour or something. So it was kind of this dramatic pause. Um, <laughs> I kept riding, by the way. Like, I was out of the saddle trying to keep weight off my back wheel. I had no mechanical issues of any kind the whole time yeah wow. it did seal itself but i was just like oh god i'm like so close i can see the fence <laughs> like it's in the distance um so that was kind of dramatic and then i got to the fence and there was uh, someone else's dad and mum waiting there for them and they were so nice so, there's nothing there by the way so when, when you run out of water approaching that like you're just going to have to deal with that until you can get somewhere where there's water like, you, it's not it's just hot you know uh, but that was amazing. They had water there. They had, you know, Alexandra's uh, car, like a van where she was sleeping. Um, so there were people there and that was cool. So I just went and had like a nap. I rolled out my mat, had a sleep and then went and found some phone service to let, you know, Dave know that I'd finished and these women that were worried that I was stranded 5Ks from a <laughs> border fence, but I actually was okay. Um, yeah, and then those, those folks drove me to the ranch. Um, but it is very much like... I was mentally prepared to just keep riding and go find this ranch, like, but I didn't have to, so that was cool. And how did you feel? Like, was it emotional seeing that fence, or like, what what were you uh, feeling? I honestly felt quite confused. I had a bit of mixed feelings about it. Like, that was great, but all of a sudden it's over. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah, so I was really happy to have made it there, but I mean, I was, I'd been having a really good ride. Like, um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a, a really uh, mixed feelings about it. Um, yeah. 
I think you posted something like you're ready to ride back now, or like, I don't know, do you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was joking. I should just keep running. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, I think work has been really good, but this might be stretching the friendship a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing achievement, April. Like, really, just to see your joy while you're out there, it's just like, it is so I, we say like it's so inspiring and it becomes so cliche but really it was it's like yeah if i ride that route i want to have those feelings it's really <laughs> cool to see well thank you very much you know and i think you know i've watched so many videos of this and i and i'm not going to name any names but some of the videos out there often produced by men are just like this is so hard and it's so you know like i'm really struggling and this weather is horrible and i watched all of that and thought god this bikepacking thing <laughs> just doesn't have a lot to recommend it, you know? Uh, but I was really surprised when I did my first event. It actually is possible just to have fun and just enjoy it in the moment. It's not all quite too fun. It can actually just be this really cool thing that you're doing. It just depends, you know, the pace is the poison, isn't it, you know? And it's such a mindset thing, isn't it? At the end of the day, how you're going to face each challenge. So, And amazing you didn't have any mechanicals because so many people's bikes were falling apart. So. I know. But how many curves fell apart, hey? How many? True. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> Boom. Sorry, Cannondale. I keep saying the cannon fail, but, you know, am I allowed to say that? It's, it all goes here. You're all good. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> all right. Is there anything else you'd like to share? We've got a couple of very simple questions to finish, but anything else that you'd like to share, April? I don't think so. I think that, uh, you know, listening to podcasts like yours is something that I enjoy doing uh, on my night rides. So uh, thank you for the content, guys. It really, it, it's so nice listening to stories of people's adventures when you're out there on your own. Like, I really appreciate that. And that's one of the reasons I was so happy to talk to you guys, you know, cheering the love. And hopefully um, there's someone out riding all night that's listening to this and going, oh, yeah, you know, there's a, another sister out there having a good time on, you know, the trials love that there will be for sure and we'll we'll give you time to catch up on the rest of the catalogue that you haven't yet listened to as well <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> all right so since you have listened to a few episodes we do tend to finish on <laughs> another big question for context if this is your first time listening to the podcast um i used to coach mountain biking with jackie coaching a bunch of little girls at a trail network where there were no toilet facilities and they used to ask if they could go for a wild wee. April, do you want to tell us about a memorable wild wee from your adventure? Yeah, I actually found this a really hard question to answer. Uh, you know, I think, I don't know about the wildest wee, but I think, I, you know, when there's really open plains, that's like the most challenging wee. Because when you see, you know, there's no cover. And so you just hold it for a really long time. And there was one section of the Tour Divide where I, I had been holding it for a really long time and I hadn't seen anyone for ages and I was like, right, you know, this is just the moment. This is broad daylight, open plains, but look, what are the chances? And of course, you know what happens, right? <laughs> There's another rider travelling in the opposite direction and he must have seen, he must have. There's no way that he didn't, but he didn't announce his presence until I was decent. So, you know, thank you, whoever you were. I was, you know, too embarrassed to introduce myself properly. Um, but yeah, I don't know how wild that was. Other than uh, you know, totally mortifying. But that's the best I've got, unfortunately. It's still it's definitely still passes the test for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if people want to find you online, where's best to find you, April? Uh, Instagram is probably the best way to go. It's um, at April Awol, like absent without leave. Um, on Instagram, um, 
I'm working at Precurse Cycling now. There's quite a lot of blogs. So if you want to hear more about the Tour Divide or the bike that I rode, um, I'll put some content on there. Um, but it's funny, uh, you know, I don't know if I just apologise or just give a bit of advance warning. If you're expecting some of my blogs about my trips to be about, you know, I went here and then I saw that, it's usually more personal journey than an actual journey. So it might not help you with your, your uh, you know, your trip planning, but hopefully it's kind of uh, entertaining. You write beautifully. It's really great. And actually, we didn't even ask you which bike did you ride. Just shout out to Curve. What did you ride for Tour uh, The Big Kevin, the Gravel Plus, um, which is kind of fun, actually. I ride a really small bike. It's extra small. And this was novel because historically, you haven't been able to get 29er wheels on really tiny bikes and also have room to carry your stuff. So it's pretty cool that in all of the sizes of the Big Kevin, you can ride 29er wheels. So that was super fun. And that's yeah. like a, a rigid drop bar bike that you, you're set up. Rigid drop bar bike, that's right, Gravel Plus. So you can get some pretty chonky tyres, um, yeah, which was, it's just yeah, loads of fun, rolls over everything. Thanks, Big Kevin. My Big Kevin's name is Miles, in case you were wondering. Um, it's an important question that I didn't, I mean, Chris <laughs> is not necessarily into naming everything, are you, Christopher? <laughs> oh, look, Chris I, I, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> Love it. Got to have names, got to talk to them, it's your friend out there. Exactly. Your babies. <laughs> yeah, totally. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, April. It's been such a fantastic conversation. I have no doubt that someone will ride into the night at some point and listen to this <laughs> and be super inspired. Hey, cool. I hope so. And hopefully they're having a beautiful full moon experience. Amazing. So good. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Into the Wee Hours podcast. To get in touch, you can find us on Instagram at Into the Wee Hours podcast or email us at Into the Wee Hours podcast at gmail.com. On Instagram, Sarah is all the gear, nay idea, and that is N A E for all you non Scots people, and Kristen is at Kristen Vodden. To read the show notes or to listen on the website, you can visit intothewehours.com forward slash podcast. And to help support this podcast, you can also head over to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash intothewehourspodcast. Happy adventuring and we will talk to you next time.